0: Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved.
1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's significant that the cost of following Jesus is increasing. All over the world, persecution against Christians continues to be on the rise, not only in frequency, but also in another dimension, the dimension of the intensity of that persecution. Christians are under intense pressure in so many nations. Open Doors is the amazing organization that has a mission to support the local church to continue to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And every year, it's Open Doors that publishes the World Watch List with the 50 most dangerous countries in the world to follow Jesus. Let's get an update on the latest release of the World Watch List. Bethany Ross is Project Manager with Open Doors in Australia. Bethany, a special welcome along to 2020.
0: Thanks for having me, Neil.
1: Bethany, this is something, a list that gets released each year. Let's have a general sort of an overview of the World Watch list and how the movements are looking and perhaps even reflecting on those that are at the top of the list. What are your general insights into this year's list?
0: Yeah, well, the World Watch list for this year, once again, has shown us the top 50 most dangerous countries to be a Christian. So it's a list that we release every year. And basically what we do is we measure trends through on-the-ground interviews and data collection, and we've been doing this for over 30 years to get a a good idea of what it looks like to be a Christian all over the world. Um, And and this year we have found that persecution is, in fact, increasing. Um, This didn't come as a surprise to us as we've been monitoring this for the last few years. Um, But to give you a bit of an idea of what that increase looks like, Just two years ago, we would be able to say that one in 12 Christians were persecuted for their faith in Jesus. But this year, that number has gone up to one in eight. So we're already seeing that there's been a significant rise in persecution worldwide.
1: Well, that's a huge increase, isn't it? Uh, From Mm, one in 12 to one in eight, we're talking about Mm. Christians around the world undergoing Mm. some sense of persecution and uh, Mm. this is an important moment I guess to ask about what actually uh, defines that word persecution because some persecution is more intense uh, than other Mm. types of persecution. Uh, What do you say when people say how do you actually define what persecution
0: is? Yeah well the way that we look at persecution is we measure it by either violence or pressure. I feel like a lot of people would be very familiar with what violent persecution looks like. Uh, we see on the media what it looks like to be a Christian in places like Syria or Iraq, where you know people are driven out by Islamic extremism and things like that. But I would actually say from what we have measured and what we have noticed through the World Watch list, it's the pressure um, that is probably more crushing on Christian communities. And what I mean by pressure... Um, it's that we measure it in five different spheres of life. So we'll look at the pressure people may experience in their private life or their family life, their national life, so what kind of pressure the government puts on them when they're following Jesus, and also the pressure that they experience when they want to gather together as a church and want to buy a new church building or have worship events and things like that, and then also the kind of pressure that people live under in their communities.
1: So I imagine that means what's happening in the workplace too, and uh, even here in Australia, we're yeah. starting to feel some of that pressure. But I guess we can't yet mm. uh, start to compare ourselves in Australia. But uh, but what's happening in the workplace—the mm. uh, way families get ahead, uh, the way employees yeah. are treated or or held down—that's that's a increasing yeah. part of what's happening with this pressure persecution. Yeah, that's
0: exactly right, Neil. So if I was um, running a business with my husband, maybe in somewhere like Vietnam, for example, if my community found out that I was a Christian or that I had recently converted to Christianity, people would intentionally stop coming to my business. And that's my family's livelihood. So I would probably have to move from that area and try and start a business somewhere else. And then it's sort of the same cycle. Once people find out you're a Christian, they opt not to buy from you. Um, or to do business with you, and it it just becomes really difficult, and a lot of Christians end up in dire poverty as well because of their faith. So it definitely does have an impact in the workplace.
1: So one of the big consequences of Christian persecution, and as you say, it's risen from 1 in 12 to now 1 in 8 Christians in the world, one of Mm -hmm. the consequences Mm -hmm. of that is actually this pressure that brings families to poverty because they're denied mm. opportunities in the workplace, denied the sort of yeah. equal opportunities that others are experiencing if they are either secular or if they're a member of a different religion. Uh, that's where Christians yeah. are under pressure.
0: Yeah, that's it's, it's very true. And, I mean, one place that we can see that um, playing out was in Iraq when the war with ISIS had all sort of erupted, um, a lot of Christians who were living in refugee camps weren't allowed the same access to um, food, to emergency relief as Muslim refugees because obviously we know that it wasn't just Christians who were driven out of those towns, it was also Muslim families as well who didn't adhere to that extremist ideology. Um, but when it came down to support from the government or support from their communities, often Christians were the ones who, who were left with little and who were left lacking in those resources. Um, I know in places like Vietnam as well, if you live in a rural environment, you'll often um, not be allowed access to resources like water or sanitation, or you won't be allowed to send your children to school if you're a Christian as well.
1: Wow. The health issues in all of that are significant too. Hey, Mm. when we talk about the value of having a World Watch list, it's one thing to Mm. just have a little bit of anecdotal evidence or we spoke to such and such in this particular nation and they told Mm. us this is what it was like. But when you've got a 30-year history of doing real research and you've got this comparison and you're able to identify those numbers, uh, that really Mm. creates value beyond the whole idea of just an anecdotal type of a evidence about persecution there is real substance to the sorts of things that come out when you release the World Watch List.
0: Yeah, I think the, the one narrative that I would pull out from the World Watch List is that the cost of following Jesus is increasing all over the world. And when you ask that question, the importance of the World Watch List, I think for us as a global body of Christ, it shows us that now more than ever, it's important to stand together as one body and to serve both parts of the body, whether it's the persecuted church or the free church, we all need to come together and help each other to follow Jesus. And as the persecuted church continue to count the cost of following Jesus because of all the risks that they face, because of the persecution they're under, they actually become the perfect mentors for our faith as well. Because as you mentioned before, we don't know what Um, the state of Christianity will look like in our country in the future. So it's so important that we learn lessons from the persecuted church of how to hold on to Jesus, even in the midst of this kind of pressure. And I think it's going to be incredibly useful and important for us to know these things going forward as well.
1: Now, Bethany, we're talking about the World Watch list. We haven't yet said... Uh, who's at the top of the list and who's in the top 10 uh, if you've got your list there how about running through for us the top 10 on the world watch list these are the worst persecuting nations of christians in the world uh, so how do you uh, how do you actually like to uh, to form your uh, top 10 list
0: yeah well our top 10 this year um is quite interesting Um, We have quite a few African countries who have moved up on the list um, as Islamic extremism from Boko Haram has spread as well. But the top 10, if I'm going to count down from 10, um, at number 10 we have India, number 9 is Iran, number 8 is Yemen, 7 is Sudan, 6 is Eritrea, 5 is Pakistan, 4 is Libya, 3 is Somalia number two is Afghanistan, and number one for the 90th time in a year is North Korea. And that has held a position on the list as number one um, since 2002. And it's number one because at the moment about 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are in labor camps. So it's definitely the worst place in the world at the moment to
1: follow Jesus. It's always a shock and it reinforces the value of a list like yours and understanding what's going on behind the borders of nations. When you say there's North Korea at the top and it's been at the top for uh, almost two decades, a powerful Mm. nation that Persecutes Christian believers. When you say fifty to seventy thousand in labour camps, if you're a mm. Christian in North Korea, you are in under intense persecution.
0: That is correct. The stories that we hear from North Korea are, you know, they're just horrific. They're things that I would definitely not share <laughs> with friends or family, um, just because of how bad they are. But but some stories uh, do paint quite a good picture of what it's like to be a Christian in North Korea at the moment. Um, It's often around children, so at the moment when children go to school, um, their teachers will encourage them to play this game and they sort of treat it like a treasure hunt. So they'll encourage children to go home and search their family's homes for a little black book and what they're actually looking for, even though they don't realise, is a Bible. And so the teachers say, if you can find this little black book, bring it in tomorrow and you'll get a reward. So the children go home. And if their parents are secret believers, they'll find this little black book somewhere hidden in the house and they'll bring it in the next day. But what they don't know is when they go home from school that day, their parents, their grandparents, and possibly even themselves, will be taken and sent to a labor camp. Because in North Korea, they believe that you're guilty by association. So even if your your grandmother or your grandfather was a Christian, you and and your entire family will be put into a labor camp for their faith. So it's an incredibly horrible place to be a Christian.
1: And reinforces, doesn't it, that the value of the contents of that Bible that we have on our bookshelf Mm. has the power to bring down dictatorial Mm. regimes. Such is the power Mm. and the message of liberty and freedom and salvation that comes from the message Mm. of the gospel. Uh, Let me just ask you quickly, Bethany, uh, with the World Watch list, clearly you'll be wanting to point people to that. And no doubt there'll be those who'd like to support Open Doors in the good work that you do. Uh, What sort of hopes do you have for people listening to our conversation today to get on board and be a part of something proactive in supporting people in persecuted
0: nations? Well, first of all, we know that people can go to opendoors.org.au to find the World Watch List. I think it's so important that as um, a Western church as well, we get educated about what life is like for believers all over the world. Um, and often I find that when people read those stories, they're so moved and they so want to make a difference and, and be part of supporting the church. But contrary to popular belief, open doors actually doesn't exist to end persecution, which I know might sound a little bit strange. But we are so acutely aware that wherever the gospel is being shared, persecution exists. So we actually work to strengthen the church As they continue to follow Jesus because if we wanted to end persecution um, you know so many charities are about ending things and and all that that sort of stuff but if we wanted to end persecution all we would have to do is tell people to stop speaking about Jesus but we know that the persecuted church won't do that so instead we encourage people to give monthly so we can um, give the finances to the persecuted church to help them rebuild churches after they've been destroyed or to disciple believers and their families as they're experiencing all this pressure and persecution. Um, So yeah, giving monthly is is definitely the way that we ask people to get involved um, and that money will go to where most needed. So if there is um, another attack over Easter, like there was in Sri Lanka last year, people can be confident that their money is going to be going to where it's needed most. Um, where it's going to have the most impact as well in strengthening the church to keep following Jesus.
1: And uh, we know that you use local churches, local partners on the ground to ensure that those Christian believers are supported in all of those different ways that enable them to be resilient. Bethany Ross is project manager with Open Doors in Australia. The new Open Doors World Watch list is available for you to look at, and I encourage you to take some time to contemplate what's on that list. 50 nations, the worst persecuting nations on earth, persecuting the Christian church opendoors.org.au where you can see the World Watch list and you can be a supporter of Open Doors. Bethany Ross, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020.
0: No problem. Thanks for your time, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.